This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome to yet another episode of Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. I am Matt Fonslow and I have a very, very special guest today. It is none other than Tracy Capriotto. <laughs> and she I'm- brought with her dad and boss, regardless of what anyone tries to tell you, Carm Capriotto. No, actually, I think she's not running the company. I'm just the peanut gallery for this episode. So if you need me to fact check anything, I can fact check. So I will just be listening because I didn't want to wait until this was over to get my hands on editing. So I wanted to be here firsthand. I don't know how you did it, but you got her to come on a show. That's great. She's done her own podcast, but uh, is there any magic how you actually got her to come on the show? Well, yeah, she told me she likes sensitive guys, but I don't think she really likes <laughs> sensitive guys, but she's very, very easily swayed by tears. So I went in the bathroom and I got a bunch of Vicks Vapor Rub and just <laughs> piled it on my eyes. And uh, that got the waterworks going. And I, I mean, I sold it as best I could. And no one would ever believe, too. no one would ever believe that you would take a selfie and send that. I didn't even think of it. I was amazed that you were falling for it and just like, okay, okay, I'll be on. It's all right, Matt. No, I didn't know it was that important to you. It's okay. It's so much fun working with you on uh, on, on your show, uh, Diagnosing the Aftermarket A to Z. Thank you for being part of the Aftermarket Radio Network. We're so proud of your work. And uh, Thanks for having me. I just got to say, before we get too far in, the most recent episode that you released, I think it was called Analyzing Inductors with Pico 7. Yeah, I was really focusing on the an- analysis of the waveforms, but I felt like... The easiest way of, if somebody couldn't picture it in their head or didn't have a, um, uh, like a reference material right there, they can go to the uh, Pico Auto website, download it for free, which that's always good. Open it up on their uh, laptops or their computers and then follow along. And at least it's there for visual reference. And then maybe I can go back, uh, with other waveforms and we can talk about them using the same software. And, you know, worst comes the worst. And maybe that's the wrong terminology, but maybe a situation will arise where I'll have to upload waveforms to a website or share it on social media that they can download it, open it on the their PicoScope software and then follow along that way. So I think it opens up a lot of different opportunities. You know, Tracy is she obviously director of content, the producer of the show. But we have an editor. And so she said, no, let me edit this episode of Matt's. And what does she do? She downloads Pico 7 and she does everything you told everyone in the audience to do. And she goes, Dad, Dad, I think I could be a diagnostician. (laughs) Well, it's a perfect episode to really show what technicians are doing. You know, it's the waveforms, Matt's talking about currents, voltage. And you, you did a really great job explaining it because someone like me, I've never obviously used Pico 7. I downloaded it. I followed step by step what to click. Here's what you click. This is why. So I think it's a great episode for people to realize what technicians are really doing with cars. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that. Well, I'm thinking I got to thank our sponsor, Napa Auto Care. It's no secret we're facing a technician shortage and Napa Auto Care is addressing that. The free two-year apprentice program offers a variety of training to produce a technician with three ASE certifications. To learn more, members can visit member.napaautocare.com. So Tracy kind of let it out of the bag a little bit about what we're, what we're going to do today. We're talking about your feelings. That would take 30 seconds. 
I can have my wife come on here and discuss that for another 15 seconds. She can say, what feelings? Let me just jump in because I've really never gone personally on record as someone who's been podcasting for nearly eight years now. You know, we produce eight episodes a week to look back at your live catalog of 62 weeks of episodes. You have probably created one of the most personal, you know, catalogs of feelings ever. In fact, I never got into any of that stuff until recently. I've been inspired basically by you telling your story. And, you know, we recently, I recently did an episode on our adoption story. And it really was motivated by how personal you have made it for so many in our industry to relate to those feelings that drive our lives, that affect what we do at work and, and, and make us great dads and brothers and husbands and on and on. So thank you for not shying away from the tough stuff. And uh, if if all of that came out for us to do an episode on The Godfather, then thank you for that. <laughs> I guess I'd like to learn or figure out how things work. And yeah, cars, technology, business practices are all part of that. But then there's the human component. Everybody on both sides of the counter, uh, in the front of the business, in the back, rent, you know, working on cars, they're all humans as far as we know. There's life stuff going on. There's thoughts and feelings and life at home. There's, you know, real drama. There's made up drama. There's so much that can be covered and so much that um, factors into our day to days that I think need to be talked about. I think we get kind of, um, I don't know about focused so much, but we, we set up boundaries of what's, um, what we should be talking about or can talk about either as, uh, working in this profession, fixing cars, or even male-dominated. So men, we don't talk about our feelings or anything like that. And it usually ends badly. Not that we have to be you know, super open and having these really well-constructed uh, conversations and using our words perfectly, but they're topics that just need to be out in the open and talked about and maybe some solutions or... Sometimes it's just nice to know you're not the only one. There's a lot of that in The Godfather. I mean, if you remember, Luca Brazzi went to The Godfather with his envelope on Connie's wedding and wanted to thank him for inviting him. And he said, and should your first grandchild be a masculine? To your point, there are certain things that stereotypically we have not as a society, even the male of it is not supposed to cry, not supposed to do this, not supposed to do that. And to your point, I love the fact that we're going to talk about some of the maybe taboos or the lessons that that came from this movie and how we can loosen ourselves up a bit and maybe sometimes stop following tradition. I think I've established now, right or wrong, good or bad, that I'm always on the lookout for lessons or something I can take and translate it to either my life or this profession. And the nature, the whole creative nature of this episode is one, I found out really how important these movies are. Maybe the trilogy, but especially the first two to your family. And so obviously your last name's Capriota. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out, you know, or what that's based out of. But 100% also Sicilian too. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm half Sicilian. What? 
Yeah. The so, better half, I'm sure. It's it's the most important half. It's Sicilian. And of course, everyone knows Tracy. She's full-blooded South Korean. So she has a last name. People say Capriato. And they look at her and says, uh, everybody wants to say something once they meet this Italian. Just say you were a hit girl. <laughs> that would Although be with the adoption episode, we did get feedback that some people didn't know that I was adopted. If they haven't met my mom, you know, they thought maybe my mom was Asian. So that was kind of something interesting. You know, we always assume everyone automatically knows that I'm Korean and I'm adopted, but you know, it's not always assumed. So it was a Good lesson for us, too. It shocked me. The feedback that I got from people I would have not even been aware of. And I'm doing an episode with some of the leaders from Ortho. And one of the girls is Asian. And I, of course, I'll never ask anyone their nationality. That's just how I, what I realize an adoptive parent, you, you never and don't want to do. So we're all done with the episode, Matt. And uh, her name is Kim Conti. And she says, I heard your episode an adoption car, and she looked me in the eye and she goes, and I'm also adopted from Caucasian family. And it just, it just floored me how many times in the last three weeks that storyline came back to me. Met a shop owner in Cancun at the Transformers and came up to me. I got to interview this guy. He's, he's brilliant. He's really cool. And he goes, my wife is adopted from South Korea. And he realized that, you know, I had done the story on our adoption. And again, I want to thank you for letting me break myself out to get into the personal and or emotional side of what goes on in our world, being infertile and, and all the years and all the years of trying. I mean, those are stories that exist in the real world in our business. So I love how you have taken movies in the past on your show and have kind of talked about them. And he says, well, you're Italian. And I says, well, one of the things you don't understand about the Godfather and me and my little girl, Tracy. Tracy, why don't you tell the audience what used to happen? We are not your traditional family during Christmas that watches Christmas Story or Miracle on 34th Street or It's a Wonderful Life. I've actually... Have not seen all three of those movies front to back. Instead, we are watching The Godfather, sometimes Lord of the Rings, and then sometimes we spice it up and we have Casino, Goodfellas mixed in there. But for Christmas, on Christmas Day, when I was living at home, little, we would watch, not that little, but we would watch The Godfather and we'd put the DVD in. And as soon as you hear those violins... Because my mom has seen it a million times. She goes, oh, what are you two doing again? We're watching The Godfather again. Of course, it's Christmas. It's our Christmas movie. Watching Casino a lot explains a lot of Tracy's uh, vocabulary. <laughs> <laughs> so now that makes a lot of sense. Or sometimes if we wanted to watch sci-fi, we would watch the alien, all the alien movies. That was our kind of tradition is, is watching that. And love sci-fi. Yeah. You know, I was rewatching the first two in preparation for this. And then, you know, what I thought dad was for, I'm getting married next year. What's our, fa our father, daughter dance going to be? Should we start it off with like the violins? <laughs> like how? <laughs> I think they it were definitely Con at Connie's wedding. Maybe we'll start that and then we'll move to something else. But I actually did think of that. Big softly love. La da 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 da. And you would say, too, watching these movies, because every movie starts with a celebration and the live music that you 
grew up with those songs too. I did. I'll never forget. Sorry, Matt. My, my grandmother, there were some, I am not sure if they were little nursery rhymes or fable songs or whatever, but at the Connie's wedding, they're all coming up and singing those songs. When I first saw the movie, I said, oh my God, grandma used to sing that to me. <laughs> but what I'm thinking is there's going to be a podcast booth set up somewhere, maybe a coat room. And you have to grant everyone their wish on your daughter's <laughs> wedding. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that? Yeah. I gave you the cold shoulder when you're wondering if I was coming. I'm coming. I'm there. <laughs> oh, my God. You got to work on my list. <laughs> you can't refuse my request on my and your daughter's wedding. Well, you're only half Sicilian, so you only have to, you know, do half the requests. Oh, damn it. Anyway, to help set this whole thing up, I want you to know that I this is what I brought into the studio. Oh, I didn't know we were drinking. Yeah, I brought in wine, but it's not in the typical wine goblet that I would drink my reds in. This is the kind of glass that Don Vito would drink wine out of or any Italian. It's just a plain old, simple, small, short juice glass. And that's how everyone, if you if you watch the table... Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola, got this so perfect. Obviously, he's, he was Italian as a director. His dad did a lot of the music in the movie. And, and if you watched at all, observed as you were young in an Italian family what went on at the dinner table, they so perfectly duplicated it, very, very much like The Sopranos, too. But, uh, yeah, so I brought, the, I brought in the small juice glass just in honor. So here's, I'm going to take a sip to us. Now the podcast is going to get really good. <laughs> What did the uh, Dutch call that? Social lubrication? Yeah. So the importance uh, of the movies to your family, especially around this time of year. And the other thing is, is just I get really amped up and I would say frustrated listening to business owners or managers take certain things from those movies and apply them as some sort of philosophy of how to operate their businesses. And that probably the biggest one is one of the most popular lines from the movie pertaining to it's nothing personal, it's only business. And I hate that. It drives me bonkers because they use it in a, as a way to do some, I don't know, less than upstanding or less than moral things in the name of instant gratification or betterment of their business in the short term. And it's like, how can you watch those movies? You know, and especially the first one where we get to see a lot of Vito at the height of his powers towards the beginning of the movie. How can you watch that whole freaking movie and leave with it's nothing personal. It's only business. That is really not how Vito ran things at all. Let's break the movie down into quarters, if you will. I think the first quarter, I think the first couple of lines of the movie was, I believe, in America. It was the the Italian immigrant who was asking for a favor. And the first lines were, I believe, in America. Huge takeaway, big, important thing in that movie. But also, friendships and family and loyalty and favors and honor and respect, counsel help, support, be in my debt. Those are some of the great storyline or single words that I, as an optimist, took away from the beginning of that movie. I would say I took a lot of the similar things away from it because I looked at arguably the Corleone family before Vito is shot. They are, of the, of the five families, they are the most influential. We could say powerful but really influential. And it's because Vito plays the long game. 
and he's very, very good about networking. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to is he is a brilliant, brilliant at networking. You know, if Sonny doesn't open his mouth at the wrong time, Vito probably doesn't get touched and things progress and, and keep going along. We don't have the rise of Michael Corleone or anything like that. And I just feel like that gets missed. And especially that scene you're talking about with the, um, not funeral director, but the undertaker mortician. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah, I was thinking more like the uh, working on the, uh, yeah, the bodies. He, he's asking Vito for a favor. They're not unfamiliar with one another, but really they begin a relationship with Vito doing him a favor and not really expecting flat out saying he doesn't expect this favor to be returned right away, if at all, but you owe me. And I mean, he doesn't just come out and say like, you you owe me one, but it's implied. And I don't know that we as people or business owners or managers have to quite operate in that way of where it's like, we could do it jokingly and try to get the voice and everything with someday and that day may never come. I may call upon you for a favor, but it could be, I think it's kind of implied that I want to start these relationships with people by maybe doing something to help them out. Maybe it's mutually beneficial. Maybe it really benefits them more than me, but then hopefully down the road, they got my back. If I need something, whatever that may be. And that something may be something I don't witness directly. It might be just, they don't uh, throw me under the bus. Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing with the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care center-specific offerings. You get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media and local markets and improving channels. Utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care Sales Driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. This includes free email marketing, digital and print point-of-sale materials. Connect to their national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the already nationally recognized Napa brand. Partner with Napa SmartSign to educate customers with engaging videos that tell the why behind a needed repair or service. You can access and edit digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Offer a credit solution to customers with Napa EasyPay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business's name embossed on the credit card. Have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. If you are interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa Know How for All national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Care parts store. I love the whole thing of this networking that you just mentioned, uh, the giving side of what you just said. We share tools with friends that are inside of our network. 
in our communities. We don't look at them as competition. We look at them as co-opetition. Yeah, I know he's in the same business I am. There's enough business for everyone. We hear that over and over again. People say, oh my God, that's right. That is. But that network that you spoke of in, in the, the Don's network were senators, police, other business people. Judges, yep. Yeah. And who says that when you think about who your network is in business today, trainers and coaches and fellow shop owners and association executives, those are critically important today because you don't want to go in business today alone. A hundred percent. It keeps going back to the even his relationship with the other five family, or I guess it would be the other four families. It's pretty strong. Like he's willing to help out. They're at that meeting. If you remember, he's kind of healed up. He's sitting there and they're kind of upset because he's got all these politicians in his pocket. And he's like, when have I ever refused a favor? You got to come ask me. You can't just assume I'm going to do all this stuff. And he very much works with people. Now, of course, we know that uh, they think at that time now the Corleone family isn't quite as strong as it is and that they may not have the muscle to really defend themselves from an attack, that if they topple Vito, the Corleone family is going to be in shambles. And to me, that's a huge, huge lesson for everyone in all parts of life, but especially the nature of this podcast and our the aftermarket radio network is in the business of servicing vehicles or, or serve serving people by servicing their vehicles is long-term thinking. Think ahead. Think about the big picture. And that's what Vito does time and time and time again. Learns from his mistakes, sets himself up in a good position to be able to execute certain things that are in the long-term planning. So what, even while he's in that meeting, they're already in the works to make the big hits because he knows he's kind of on the way out. Like he's maybe not going to be the godfather anymore. Michael is going to take his spot, but he's the one making the plans to hit the other four families and kind of put them in their place. You know, back to the five families thing, Matt, they're like competition to each other, even though they all had to learn to get along and how power hungry wanted to be successful. You had to respect that. But what I got out of that meeting was that they got along, that they respected each other, that they stayed in touch, they communicated, and there was some form of transparency there. Not totally, but if you knew your competition and you heard certain things, you could figure out what they were really saying. And it goes back to that the power of networking, to your point, and, and being a long-range thinker and, and not thinking just about the cars that I have to work on tomorrow. It's the cars we have to work on in March. And how are we going to fill that pipeline? There's plenty of cars out there. If there's not, it will kind of work itself out, right? If you're one of the shops kind of billing accordingly and providing value, probably not going to be in trouble. The ones that aren't, they're probably the ones that are going to suffer and, and fall. But it might be in your best interest to kind of get involved with one of them too, because you can't serve every customer. Some people will never be your clientele for whatever reason, they will never see the value in what you do. So you do need those other shops. So it's best to work with them. I guess where I was going with that is, again, from the movies, the Corleone family under Vito really doesn't want to get into the drug trade. Just really, that's not his thing. 
I guess there's a few things with this. One is it doesn't fit his moral, his morals or his character. It just, and I don't mean character like in a film character, but as a person, drugs are just not something he wants to get involved with. His moral compass, his direction. Yeah. Whether we think he has much of a moral compass or not, beside the point. Others can take that and he'll stand aside. He'll even help them with his influence with the police, the judges, the politicians. He wants to focus on the gambling, of course, the olive oil front. That's really where he's at. And he's working towards legitimacy as well. I feel that is very much in line with our repair shops. Like you can't service everything. You can't do everything there is to do on a vehicle. There's nothing wrong with picking some areas of focus, whether it's certain car lines or certain services on a wide breadth of vehicles. And then you have the other shops that are willing to do the stuff that you don't really want to do. There's probably a better way to frame this, but a certain type of clientele that they will be more than happy to take. It makes a lot of sense to send them that way and kind of create that network. Eventually, it starts working the other way, too, when they get in over their head, when they get a certain type of vehicle, a certain type of problem, certain type of client, they end up coming your way. So it becomes it starts to become symbiotic. And that's kind of where I think this all goes is for the five families to operate. Yeah, they had lines drawn, but they also had other things going on where they did work together because they had to work together because regardless, they had the same enemy, if you will. And that was the, the government. What they did was illegal. So they had a common enemy and they had to work together to keep this world alive because they did serve a purpose, right? The entire organized crime starts up, especially like the racketeering and, you know, the protection because the immigrants didn't get that type of protection. There was no police protection for uh, Italian Americans or uh, immigrants back in that day. So now they serve a purpose. There is a police squad, if you will. This is great analysis. And, and I know you love your movies and I know you can speak, you can speak on movies forever. One of my big takeaways is I rewatched the movie strictly so that we could have this conversation. I, I looked at it from a completely different angle. I came out of the movie and I think this is so apropos because on, on Remarkable Results Radio, we talk a lot about leadership. When did Michael harden his leadership? And yeah, he was a Marine. Apparently a war hero. I don't know what he did in the movie that he earned that war hero thing. But when his dad was in the hospital, and here's my analogy, like it or not, and they realized there were no more cops or no more security watching his dad. He goes in, he moves his dad, and then Enzo the baker comes up and you think, oh my God, here comes the hitman, and this is going to be a mess and it's going to be ugly. And it was Enzo the baker th wanting to thank the godfather for what he recently did. And the moment when him and Enzo are on the stairs in the front of the hospital, this was my leadership takeaway. Enzo's got a cigarette and he's fumbling to take it and he's got his lighter and he keeps flicking his lighter is four or five, six times. Michael takes the lighter clicks it once, lights his cigarette. Michael was hardened at that moment. You know, when he told his pop, I'm with you now, I thought that was so apropos to show that Michael had nerves of steel at that moment in time and set his pathway into the next three movies. Yeah, I'm torn. That's a really good point. That's a really good spot for that to either happen or really start. I thought 
maybe it's not even the leadership. Maybe it's more his optimism because he was always kind of an optimist, you know, very and positive, not really part of that world. His family was involved in that, but he wasn't. But then he goes over to Italy after the assassination he performed and his wife gets killed and he would have been killed. And these people that he trusted were behind it. He came back different. He came back much different, much more old school mafioso and kind of started, I think, to branch away from the type of leader Vito was. You're so right. When the, the limousine pulls up and Casey's him for the first time after he's been home for a year. And what hit me, it is so, so ingrained in my mind as a scene from the movie when he's walking toward Kay in the gray hat, all dressed up in a suit. It was like, are you kidding me? Oh, my God, look at this. Here's the second most important half of the movie coming up right now. I think that's when he, I guess the right word might be, became very callous. I don't think pre that, you know, it, it took him a lot for him to be able to pull the trigger on that guy. Like he had a vendetta to settle, to shoot the cop. And I forgot the guy's name. Lots. Yeah. I mean, he had to get coached up quite a bit. Sonny coached him up quite a bit. Plus he wanted revenge for what they did to his dad. That's what it took to do that. When he came back from Italy, it was nothing. It was nothing to do those things. That was very much the, it's nothing personal. It's only business. This has to get done. Yeah, he was hardened. And I don't think that's what leadership, I'm sure you don't, want to say to the audience, that's what you need to be a leader. No, it's not. I think this movie is to try to emulate the, the veto side of this that, you know, I don't think... Vito necessarily wanted Michael to turn out this way, but Michael was Michael, and he was so hardened that as soon as Vito died, he became Michael Corleone, part two, part three. It was going to be Sonny. Sonny was going to be the new godfather. He was being groomed. He had a lot of really good things. He was a hothead. He was a hothead, and he had a little, some side things going on that were distractions too, but he was the one, he was the one that was going to become the godfather. And once he's assassinated, it can't be Fredo. They kind of undersell Fredo in the movies. Uh, in the books, he's a lot smarter. You know, he's got that presence that is not a leadership presence. He would never get respect from anybody. And, and that's why he kind of gets sent to Las Vegas to learn the uh, casino trade. Cause that's when uh, the mafia was very heavily involved and Las Vegas, Sin City. I got to stop you for a moment. When Vito, I think Vito, yeah, told Michael, yeah, Sonny would be a bad Don. Remember he said that to him? Sonny had passed, but he, he wasn't bashful, Matt, to be able to tell Michael, you know, that Sonny would have become a bad Don. And he threw everything he had behind Michael. And he wanted Michael to be a senator a governor, and how we have sights on our own families, our own children. We have sights for our own people and that work with us. Are we telling them how we see what they do in life, the talent that they have that maybe they don't, not, they don't recognize themselves? Maybe this self-reflecting part of some of the dialogue between Michael and Vito, we can move that into ourselves as a, as a leader of our people. We just don't sometimes stop and thank people. 
Huh, no, <laughs> not at all. Not earnestly. I think sometimes you do it and it's, I don't know, almost a reaction type thing. It's almost like a formality. You hand out paychecks every two weeks. So 26 times a year, you're walking around and you hand somebody their paycheck. And maybe the first few times you've ever done it and are so happy that there was enough money in the checking account to make payroll and that you're going to be able to take a paycheck too. Like when you hand it to them, there's an earnest, heartfelt, looking them in the eye, thank you. And then there's the 17th time you've done this and it's now just normal for there to be money to make ends meet and maybe not enough or whatever, but it's now expected. And there's all the other issues going on in the shop with whatever may be production, attitudes, stuff like that. And now you're handing the paycheck and it's not, you're not paying attention as much. And on the flip side of that, the people receiving the paycheck, when you say thank you to them and they're returning the thank you, I think it's the same thing again, where it's now I'm entitled to this. Thank you. Sometimes you think there's a little room for a little more pause and um, not that it has to be all mushy, but to think a couple of times about that, like, well, I think that's lost because of direct deposit. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's true. not even like a, here you go, happy Friday. And then like a, thank you. Great work. It's direct deposit. And it's not even brought up really. Maybe they should do like a ball drop when your direct deposit goes in. And it's, <laughs> it's over break or over lunch. And, you know, and then when it goes in, everybody celebrates and thanks for a great week, guys. Yeah, but you don't understand, man. It's all business. You know, run your business like a business, but be human. Be a real person. For Mike, it's just business. Just business. But Mike took it personally, unfortunately. You see, he brought it so personal, so vendetta-ish, if you will. It put him in a spiral, and of course, we know what happened to him. He became a very ugly, lonely Old man with no friends and no family and no nothing. There was some family, but they they were moochers. You don't want that. For Vito, I know it ends with one of his own friends kind of turning on him. In that world, it's it's extreme, right? He is the one that kind of lays the groundwork for for the, for Vito being attacked. And that sucks. But the reality is, is part of it had to do with some weaknesses and perceived weaknesses in the Corleone family. So they're putting themselves in a position to survive. And I think it was Tessio was the one who did it. Clemenza was loyal to the bitter end and then loyal to Michael. But Vito put around, put people around him that not only cared about him, but who he cared about as well and had time with them and grew that everything with them, right? I mean, it really started taking off with him and Clemenza and then him and Clemenza and Tessio. That's how the Corleone family starts to really gain momentum. And those two are very important parts and it keeps spilling over to more and more people where I don't know that Michael so much other than Tom, his brother, but, you know, adopted brother. I don't know that he has anybody like that. You know what I mean? Like people that genuinely cared about him and, respected him, the respect they had for him seemed more out of fear because this is a guy that took out his own brother. You know, Michael called for the hit on Fredo to get shot in the boat. So if he's going to kill his own brother, he'll kill anybody that crosses him where I don't know if Vito would have. Yeah, he was feared as a leader. 
Right. So as a leader of your business, do you want your employees to fear you that they cross you and you're docking pay, you're going to fire them, you know, which nowadays I don't know if this is quite the threat it used to be, but maybe you have a bit of golden handcuffs going on in your shop, which is great. The pay, the benefits, all this, all that stuff's there, but is it there with the intent of, I want to take care of these people so that they take care of my clients and then I am taken care of as a byproduct of that? Or am I doing all this to further leverage that they can't leave me? Not saying there can't be a little bit of both. We can't be totally non-strategic either and completely, you know, altruistic, but I think there's a big difference between the two intents. And I think Vito, to me, my interpretation from the books and the movies is if I take care of these people, then they're going to take care of what they need to do. And in turn, it comes around and takes care of me. And they will be loyal. They'll be family. They will honor and respect the relationship. I don't think you can get it if you don't give it. That's what, that's what I think you're saying. Yeah. And people make mistakes. Can you help them learn from them? And again, you got to protect yourself too. But sometimes those people that they make a few mistakes and they have to be the right people, right? Like It sucks sometimes when we're talking about virtually anything that you almost have to rattle off the caveats because I don't necessarily like the idea of saying something like, giving them a second chance. Well, we're talking about in The Godfather, those second chances, if they keep failing, could end up in your death. From a shop point of view, though, if you give people a few chances and protect yourself, not maybe not personally your persons, but protect your business, protect your reputation. A lot of these people that are given these chances and the ability to learn from them, and they have to be the type of person that does learn from their mistakes genuinely and wants to, they turn around, they can be some of your you know, cornerstones of your business for the next decade or two. And that's the long-term thinking again. I, I just think that keeps coming up is the networking, the long-term thinking, thinking way ahead, way down the road and trying to play this chess game of how can I move my pieces to put me in the best position 12 moves from now? Some of us aren't built for that long-range thinking because... We're busy being busy because we, in many cases, we don't want to face certain responsibilities that we have. But furthermore, we don't know that we don't know something. And I go back to Vito as the business coach that we have today. And we don't have enough shops that have a business coach. The top shops, they have business coaches for all the right reasons that they're the top shop. But there's a lot of them that don't. Now, yeah, I, I believe in networking groups. There's a lot of that going on that the networking groups are, are led by coaches. However, the one-on-one, -on -one, the accountability piece, I still think is really important, very critical today. And maybe the result of this episode is go out and hire your veto. Sometimes it's not even so much the uh, somebody telling you what to do. Because a lot of times we know what to do. It's having somebody there to kind of help you do it or remind you to do it or kind of keep on you to do it. And when you're paying them to do it, it's a lot harder to just scoff at it. You know what I mean? Like if I have a, a buddy that I'm going to have call me once a week to say, hey, did you uh, adjust your labor rate? Or uh, hey, did you uh, adjust that uh, parts matrix yet? No, no, no. Well, you got somebody that you're paying to do that and paying to look out for you and your business, it's a lot harder to just scoff at them and say, hey, just leave me alone, all right? Just it's like, okay, well, keep sending me the paychecks. I'm glad you brought that up too, because that's another thing that I think was very well done on, I know I keep kind of gushing on Vito, but 
that's really what the stories were about. Like he was the central character. I know we have Michael coming along, but he had a team, he had teamwork and he was very smart about having the right type of people in the right type of places. So right in the beginning, right? His nephews and they're crying because he can't get this part in a movie and his voice isn't good anymore. And if he doesn't get this part in this movie, he's going to be ruined and, I guess I love the part where Vito tells him to grow up. Wait, wait, that was tough love right there, right? <laughs> I love that part. Don't get me wrong. But Vito's got the right people in play. He can send Tom Hagen, who's a really good negotiator, a very professional controls of himself to first try to lay down the, the groundwork or just get this accomplished. It doesn't work out. So now Tom's not the guy anymore. And what's Tom do? He's like, I got to get out of here. My mission failed. Yeah, because the heavy guns are coming. Right. And now they're bringing out the guys who you're not going to have Tom Hagen trying to now use force to convince somebody to do something. I'm sending somebody else much more suited. They got the mentality. And of course, with that guy, the Hollywood guy, we don't have Luca there, uh, Luca Brazzi there being physically imposing, but he does something that changes that guy's mind immediately. And having the right people in the right places. And it's not going to be instant, right? It's like any team. When you're building a team, I suppose professional teams are the easiest ones to talk about. But it's not an overnight thing that you just slap together this team and it's like, oh, well, we need a better you know, tight end. Or we need a better you know, defensive man or something like that. It's over time. I'll never forget reading the book, Matt. And when it was picked up to be a movie, I've always had fun after I've read a work of fiction to try to figure out which actors oh michael or al pacino was going to play my you know al pacino's in the movie and down the list and i love trying to say i wonder who they're going to play because they may not tell you what their character is and that happened for me with the book absolute power by i think it was was it grisham no no it was baldacci and we're at a resort and we're at a bar and there's a TV on and they announced that Clint Eastwood was going to star in Absolute Power. And they didn't say what character. So I'm reading the book at the time and I went to Ann and I says, oh, I wonder what character he's going to play. And for the rest of the trip, all I kept I, finishing the book, trying to see how he fit, which character he was going to be. It's fun to, you know, well, I don't read the book. I see the movie. But when, you know, Mario Puzo wrote this book. It was a big deal. It was a big thing to read this book and to expose, quote, 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 the real mafia, that it really existed. And there it was for everyone to see. What was your favorite movie? Wow. One, two or three. I know what yours is, um, I think, Dad. You want to tell them the story about the, what, the plane trip? Oh, we were, I think we were going to San Diego. It was somewhere out west, either San Diego or Las Vegas. And so it was a long flight. We're on the East Coast and we weren't sitting together in that flight. And so we had the movies and, you know, I think we're on Delta, so they had the TV and we're going through. And as soon as I get to G's, I see Godfather part one, two, and three. So I watched three. I knew you watched one of them. So we get off the plane. I go, so which Godfather did you watch? How did you know? Well, I knew you weren't going to get by the G's after you hit that on the alphabet. So <laughs> I watched one and one is my favorite movie. Really? I thought it was two. Well, let's put it this way. If you've ever seen them combined where they put the chronological order together, that's a great movie. Yeah. 
I guess I like origin stories, so I probably would go with two. I liked seeing how Vito becomes Vito. Got it. But I, it's hard for me to split the two. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Agree. Especially one and two. It's hard. It's hard for me. But when they did that chronological order one, that was that was phenomenal. You came to me with this idea or you came to Tracy with this idea months ago. And uh, I don't know how we finally ultimately found the time in our schedule or agreed to say, yeah, let's do this. And uh, I don't think we've done 100% justice to the Godfather legacy and how it connects. But I think you did a marvelous job, Matt, bringing this into the real world of business and and, and, and life and world and people and friendships and networking. I, I think there's some really great lessons. So maybe the next time anyone watches the Godfather series, uh, you may you may look in internally inside of your business or relationships. Yeah, and look further than just the the coolest quotes. Like, leave the gun, take the cannoli. That's just (laughs) generally good advice, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think the irony of it's not personal, it's just business, is that Michael took everything so personal. So it's just very ironic that that's the main tagline and Michael's main tagline. When I was going to say, Michael, when you're asked talking about when he got hardened, I agree that the hospital, you know, he felt very protective and then also getting his jaw broken by McCluskey. Like, I think that really set him off then. And then that's when he wanted to kill the both guys at the restaurant. And then he went to Italy and then he definitely transformed as Matt said. Yeah. And if you want to take the, it's not personal, I think maybe not so directly, you can still empathize and sympathize with, you know, everybody, clients, employees, partnerships with part stores, competition, all that. But when you're going to make a decision, you do have to start to take your emotions out of it and go, I want to help. I want to help this person. But now I have to back up and think about this logically. So that's how I would twist that quote to make it more reasonable. But I have a rough time with anything it can come off so zero sum that I'm going to justify doing this really jerk thing because it's not personal. It's only business. Not only have I seen it happen, I've been, I've had it happen to me. I've had them quote the movie to me that quote when they did it. Like, Oh, it's not personal. It's only business. Like, how is this not personal? <laughs> That's one of those things that was always an annoyance to me. And then I found out how much you guys love the movie, how important it is. That's like, that's your holiday family. That's the movie you guys gather around. <laughs> it's, not, it's not Home Alone? Well, we watch that all year. Ask my brother and sister-in-law. We watch that all year. July, August, it's on. I could see how, you know, you start out with maybe Casino and then Goodfellas. <laughs> and then to come back down with some Joe Pesci stuff, you have to watch Home Alone 1 and 2. That was the first time I I saw Joe Pesci was in Home Alone. And then when I actually watched Casino, my world just exploded. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? The wet bandits, the sticky bandits. And he's getting beat in a field, getting buried. Oh, it was crazy watching that. But I think the first time I remember seeing him was like Lethal Weapon 3. Okay, 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 okay. It's in the back seat. It's just annoying. I thought he was great. Well, thanks for having us on your show, Matt. I appreciate it. It was it was fun to talk about this. Uh, we weren't quite sure where it was going to go, but you always stitch together a great episode and and for your love of movies. 
It's uncanny. Matt and I and Tracy, we talk almost every single day, not on the phone, but through Slack. And uh, sometimes just trying to keep up with you is impossible. (laughs) I will take that as a compliment. Thank you. It is. It is. It is. (laughs) Where is he going with that? (laughs) All right. No, thank you guys for being on. Can't thank you enough for this platform. Really can't. I um, very much enjoy the freedom you've given me to be able to do stuff like this and the personal stuff, if you will, and um, technical. I really enjoy that. It means a lot. I just envision so many of your friends in your network are going to hand slap, you know, and say, wait a minute, wait, Fonslow's holiday episode was on the Godfather? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it was rough. It was either that or Roadhouse. I don't know. <laughs> oh, oh, well, thank you for everything you do for uh, not only the Aftermarket Radio Network, but uh, for the industry. I think you've really helped the world out there uh, find a different slice in, of life that they may not have totally known and how we can bring it's not business it's personal and the godfather to our industry well a great yarn spun well thank you you've been listening to matt fonslow diagnosing the aftermarket a to z on the aftermarket radio network follow matt on your favorite listening app he's very interested in what you have to say let him know what you'd like him to cover and come on the show matt is all for advancing the aftermarket find matt fonslow on social media and connect or on aftermarketradionetwork.com.